0: Part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.cornerstone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. What are you amazed with? For some people say, man, wasn't that not amazing? If you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, It is hard not to be here this morning and say, was that not an amazing game last night? Even down to the last goal line stand, you know, that, you know, they're not going to lose the game. But here, you know, Mississippi State's coming all the way down there. Got the ball on what the two or the three yard line, first and goal or something. And they, you know, that goal line stand of just kind of standing there. Maybe for you, it's uh, uh, something, you know, the last time that you used that word amazing was describe a food. Man, that was the most amazing fill in the blank, whatever it was. We kind of throw that word around, amazing, because it's one of those words that kind of, when we are escaped with other words that really kind of give a description, sometimes we just throw that word in there, amazing. Wasn't that amazing? In fact, about a month ago, uh, when we, you know, when the sun decided to, to, to hide there for a little while and we had that whole thing going on out there was a, a lot of people that said, was that not the most amazing thing you've ever seen? And then there were other people that I talked to and gone, going, okay, I was a little disappointed. You know, I was thinking that it was going to be total dark out. I thought that, you know, all these other things were going to happen. Now, how many of you, just by kind of a show of hands, you were part of that group that said, that was like one of the most amazing things I've ever seen? It was a spiritual time. Okay, yeah, and, and there's, you know, that you saw that and it's like you're just moved by the creativeness of God and all that and then how many of y'all, you were expecting something, and then it didn't quite measure up, and so you said, Neh. how many of y'all was that? Okay. So, so see that diversity here? doesn't mean that anybody's right, nobody's wrong. It wasn't that, you know, God says, okay, you have to feel this way about it. It just shows that we are really, really people that have all kinds of emotions, and we're all over the place, guys. And sometimes we even build something up, like it's going to be this great thing, and then we're let down when it's not other words, we were simply surprised by something that we weren't expecting, and then all of a sudden, man, it is better than we ever believed. Folks, this is called life on planet Earth, okay? <laughs> it's kind of like the hurricanes. If you looked outside uh, just a couple weeks ago in our own neighborhoods, and you looked out during the the um, kind of the middle of that storm, you saw trees going back and forth, back and forth. Some toppled. But some went, I mean, almost to the ground one way and almost to the ground the other way. But it was the roots that kind of... Held them in place. That's us. Folks, we are very vulnerable to the winds. The winds of life, the winds of emotion. And in fact, our world hasn't really done a really good job of helping us with that. And if you are parents of children, then they are growing up in a culture that is so drastically different from even the culture that we grew up uh, up in because they are being told that feelings are everything. You react to feelings. You know, number one, there's not absolute truth, and there's not this. There's not rock-solid rootedness. Man, you just go with your feelings. And if you feel it, man, it is, it's your truth. Well, Folks, that's not what the Bible says. And it, there's a part of us that, you know, if you grew up in the 60s and everything was about feelings or something like that, I realize that most of you all are younger than that. Uh, but, you know, we were kind of fed a lie. And maybe we grew out of that and said, you know, the, Life isn't feelings. You know, there has to be truth, and here's the rock-solid truth that I'm going to base my life on. But I want you to know that that's the Christian life, too. Folks, just because you're a Christian, just because you've trusted Christ and His work on the cross to save you and to, to, to bring you to God doesn't mean that the winds of life don't blow in your arena and in your zip code. And if we go through the Bible... And we'll find the most godly of people knew what it was like to be highly, highly, you know, amazed, but also highly, highly challenged. And and there's not this this scripture to say, okay, if you do all the right things, you will never face challenge in your life. No, we see one of the most righteous men mentioned in the whole Bible is Job. And yet he is the poster child of what it means to kind of feel really down, depressed, and wonder, why me, why this? Why now? Those are the things that just come to life, guys. And just because you're Christian doesn't mean that you don't have to face those things. But here's what's different. Because we are a Christian, and because God is coming and transforming our mind and our heart, and that's what we've been talking about for many, many weeks now, and it's really kind of our model for the whole year, is that we want to run this race well. How do we run it well? By this transformed mind and a transformed heart to just start acting like Jesus, being like Jesus more and more, That's the consistency that we find in his truth. And that's the challenge. Because there's those days that we're going, man, God, you are the greatest. And there's the days, we're just not not spiritually feeling it. So when was the last time that you can say, and you don't have to, I'm not going to take a microphone around. When was the last time that you can remember that you were amazed at God? I mean, kind of probe a little bit deeper, you know. Has there ever been a time that you said, man, you're just amazing? Not just you're amazing. I'm amazed at you. You did this. Maybe it was a healing. Maybe you had prayed for somebody in a sickness and, and they got well or something like that. Or maybe it was other troubles, emotional prob- troubles, maybe even marital problems, financial problems, things like that. You know, real world problems. And you prayed, you gave it to God, and you saw God work in such a way. And you go, God, you're amazing. We're amazed with a lot of things in life, guys. And yet, one of the things that I have found consistent in my life is that when I'm walking with God and really kind of trusting in God and in His Word and and just you know just kind of drawing near to God, I find that He's really amazing. And the times that I'm not really feeling. He's amazed. It's not because he changed. It's not all of a sudden that God got very blah. It's because I just have, I've, I've kind of left the room a little bit. And I, I didn't stop, you know, start hating Jesus. I didn't go, okay, this whole preacher thing, I don't think I want to do this. It's none of that. It's not one of those things where you change the facts that you believe, but the emotions can run dry. I want to go through the Gospels. This is going to be a kind of a different sermon because most time we are strictly expository. We start with a book or start with like seven lives like we have in the last couple of weeks. And we kind of methodically go and we just look at that scripture and we kind of cover it line by line, verse by verse. We're going to do that a little bit, but we'll probably be in, I think, six different places today. So get your Bibles ready. For, if you didn't bring your Bible today, it's going to be up here on the screen and you can follow along. But I want you to see that this life of Christ, if you were around Christ, you were amazed. You just, you were amazed. And it started even when Jesus was little. Now again, we can go all the way back to that original Christmas story and we can come back and see that they were all amazed. The shepherds were amazed. But even as Jesus began to grow, and by the time that he hits 12 years old, you know, he's going off. And look what it says in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 46. Jesus is 12 years old. Okay? You know, he's, he's about your age. Okay? And all of a sudden... He is in there talking with the highest spiritual scholars of the day. Not just, you know, the student minister, not just the local pastor, but like the extreme extreme top theological minds of the day. Because he was in the synagogue in Jerusalem. That was like the place to be if you're a religious person, a knowledgeable person. And he's talking with the most knowledgeable people of his day. And he's 12 years old. And look what the scripture says. Verse 46, after three days they found him, that is his mom and dad, and we talked about this a while back about how they traveled in caravans and it was easy to kind of lose your kids. And, uh, and we don't travel in caravans anymore, but it's still easy to lose your kids. Uh, after three days they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them of questions. Verse 47, and all who heard him were what? Were amazed at his understanding of his questions, in uh, his answers. Man, this guy's really grasping it. This guy's really is profound. What what maybe we would even call a prodigy. You know, if we had uh, a six year old that came up today and, and started playing the piano and just played like some Beethoven thing, you know, some Bach thing or you know, just something that was just I mean, played it flawlessly, Ricky. We go, man, five years old, six years old, that there's a prodigy. Well, that's what we begin to see in the life of Christ. We really don't hear anything else about Christ from twelve to the age of about 30 when he starts his earthly ministry. And as he starts that three-year ministry, as he goes out and he you know, gets the disciples, as he starts going around preaching, teaching, and doing all the things that Christ did, we begin to see that this amazement with Christ continues. Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. Now, let me paint the stage here a little bit. They had a lot of teaching back in those days. They were, they were, there was not a lack of religious thought back in Jesus' time. If you were, Especially if you were a Jewish person. Oh, my goodness. You, from the time that you were little, you were taught things from the Torah. You were th- taught spiritual truth and law. Much more than we would ever see in our society today. We try to teach our kids about the Bible. But in the Jewish life, I mean, from the very beginning, you just kind of packed it in there and you just taught them and they were impressed. So there was not a lack of teaching. People grew up with that. They went to church much more often than we do. It was just a part of their societal thing. You go to synagogue. You're very, very much. You had certain times of the day that you were just, you know, had spiritual uh, times of focus Uh, On Christ, our own God. Well, he comes along, Jesus comes along in this world that's full of teaching and they're used to teaching and they said that Jesus, when he began to teach, that they were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because his teaching was different. Why? Because he was an excellent speaker? Why does it say that his teaching was different? Just say it out loud. Because it had authority. Have you ever been talking to somebody... And they thought they were an authority on the subject, but you knew that they were not. I mean, have you ever been in one of those situations? And then they think they are the real deal. And you're going, this is just not right. They heard Jesus teaching, and something within their brain, something within their heart, and get this guy's, something within their very soul said, this is right. Have you ever been there before? That your brain check heart check but it was even deeper than that maybe a spiritual truth just maybe even singing a song in worship and god brought something to your very spirit your very soul that wasn't just a brain synapse it wasn't just a, a heartbeat and an emotion but it was something in your very soul are you understanding that have you ever had those moments before in your life that's what was happening here. I really believe that when it, they said they sensed that he was teaching with authority, that this wasn't just a better teacher. He wasn't just, hey, I really like Jesus because he uses a lot of illustrations, these things called parables. He tells really good stories. Now, when they left, they said, oh, We heard truth. We heard truth. And they were amazed. In a world that lacks so much truth, one of the things as we draw near to God, as we follow God, as we are like these pilgrims in the New Testament, as we're just traveling this earth, folks, we will begin to see if we really draw near to God, there's going to be times that He just writes on our heart, this is truth. And you can have people around you say, well, you know, you really believe that stuff? Really? You, you believe that somebody would die and then rise again? Do you believe that God would send his own son? I mean, they they can go from the the very basics of Christianity to the most profound things of Christianity. And there are going to be people in our lives, in our world, that are going to say, you really believe that kind of stuff? Isn't that kind of just kind of tale ish And yet, in your very spirit, in your very soul, no, this is gospel truth. And it's changed my life. When was the last time you were amazed at God's truth? Maybe in been a high moment and you just man your hands were up or you were already celebrating and god just affirmed that more in your but you know most of the time that god affirms me in his truth is when it is a little bit dark when i am a little uncertain when i am let's just say it i'm sure you wouldn't agree but i can be moody from time to time <laughs> anybody else moody in here and husbands and wives, you cannot raise, raise each other's hands, okay? That's probably the truest tense, uh, sense of, of getting the truth out of that. We're all moody, and yet here's God's truth that amazes us. And I've said it like this for the last 35 years. And we just know that we know that we know that we know that this is true. Have you had those moments when you just knew that you knew that you knew that you knew that this was truth. That's what Jesus did. And so when we draw to his teachings, guys, I pray that we would have the same amazement that they did years ago. Why? Because we were just amazed that here's rock solid truth in a world where kind of thought is all over the place. But it doesn't stop there. Open your Bibles to John chapter 8. Again, I know we're kind of skipping around. This is very untypical for us. We usually are in one place. We just go through the Scripture and we let the Scripture speak for itself. But we're just traveling through the Gospels this morning and looking at this key word, amaze or amazing, and see how people responded to God. This is the story of the woman caught in adultery. John chapter 8, verse 10 and 11. If you're not familiar with the story, Again, these Jewish people, these very religious people, they had strict laws about life. And one of those laws is, okay, you can be with your husband or wife, but you can't be with somebody else's husband or wife, and you can't be with somebody who's not your husband or wife. And on this particular day, they found this young lady with somebody that was not her husband. They had rules about that, and they even had what to do in that case. In the Old Testament, it actually said that you can take this person, make them, really kind of bring them out in public, and you can stone them. And when I say stone them, we're not talking about throw a couple rocks so it hurts their feelings, hurts maybe the exterior of their skin, but stone to the place of death. They catch this woman in adultery. And they bring her to Jesus and throw her down, Jesus was teaching that particular day and threw her down. And the Bible says that they all did this to trap, try to trap Jesus. So they said, okay, we're going to get him in a place where he can't really answer this question. They throw her down, obviously guilty. That the question here is not, is she guilty or not? It's pretty obvious that she's guilty. They pick up stones. They're ready to stone her. As they began to to toss those, or get ready to toss those stones, Jesus says, okay, okay, wait, (laughs) time out, guys. He's who without sin. If you've never broken one of the commandments, if you've never sinned in your life, go ahead, throw that stone. He did something that is unique. We talked about this weeks ago. And, you know, he bent down, and, you know, there would have been sand, dust. And he began to draw in the ground. Most of us believe that he was drawing out you know, names of sin. And it's says that one by one, starting with the oldest. Why? Because they probably lived the longest. And as he put that sin there, they they're going, yep, that's me. And they drop their stones and, and, and they walk off to where the only two that are left there, even the people that Jesus were te- was teaching, because that was the setting, is originally he was just teaching other people, probably believers, probably those. And now everybody's gone except for these two. Verse 10. Jesus stood up. He'd been down riding in the sand. And he said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Now, her emotions is probably telling her that she's guilty. Would you, would you say that she probably feels guilty? Would you say that she's probably greatly embarrassed? Do you think that she feels like maybe like she's about this big, and even that big is too big because she wish she could just vanish? And yet, on this one-on-one conversation, he says, "Where are those that condemn you?" Her response: "No one, Lord." And Jesus said, "Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more." Is that amazing? We look at like a story like that, guys, and we see that story, and we're going, you know, that's amazing that God would do that. But do you know that's us? I mean, change the name, change the sin, change the, the locale, but that's us. And, and yet, this is what he's done for us. This is why walking with Christ and living with Christ and relationship with Christ is amazing. We're not just people that said, you know, we didn't have enough moral code in our life. And so each week, Bobby, can you add kind of one more morality clause to to our lives? I mean, that's what they were facing in that day and time. And the Pharisees said, we'll oblige you. We'll give you ten more morality clauses to live by. And Christ comes and he upsets the whole thing. He says, this is all about your relationship with the Father in heaven. And I'm going to make it right by the things that I do. And one by one, person by person, sinner by sinner, broken life after broken life, He goes around and he touches them in a way that is not just truth in the head, an emotion in the heart, but it's truth in their very soul. But we we don't know what happened after that day, her or many others. And yet for that moment, I think she could say this. I think we're fair to say this, that she could know that she knew, that she knew that she knew that this man Jesus loved her. And sometimes, guys, let's just be honest, isn't that what we need? In this crazy world, just to know that we know that we know, especially when we've blown it, that we know that we know that we know that that Jesus loves us, in spite of knowing what we did. The question wasn't guilty or not guilty. It's very obvious. And yet he makes it very obviously that he loves her. Turn over to Luke chapter 9. This father comes to Jesus with a son who's been tormented with uh, convulsions. The Bible says that an evil spirit came upon him, a demonic spirit, and uh, that his son would go into convulsions. It's his only son. Uh, He loves his son like we love our children. He he probably had gone to every normal circumstance there, doctors, uh, even other religious people to try to get remedy for this little boy. Even came to the disciples because they were going out kind of uh, without Jesus by their side. And this father even came to the disciples and said, here's the dilemma that I have, can you heal my boy? Well, the disciples were given the power to heal, but they could not heal this boy. So this guy's kind of frustrated. And that's when Jesus comes into the scene. Luke chapter 9, verse 42. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And they were all what? Amazed at what? At the greatness of God. Now, I want to ask you, who do you think was the most amazed in this picture? Think through what I just gave you, the background that I gave you. Who do you think was maybe the most amazed? Oh, I hear his mumbling. Mumbling is a good way of not, you know, that of not taking a stand, and that way you don't have to be wrong. <laughs> I mean, the dad certainly is amazed at your son. The boy is amazed. But what about those disciples? Why couldn't we do this? Wow. Well, this Jesus really is. He's not just a trick, he's not just kind of a program, he's not just a religion. He really is the son of God. Time after time, Christ going around changing lives. And they're amazed when they come into connection with him. Go to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at a few more and then we're going to kind of come to an ending. Matthew chapter 8. You would think of Matthew chapter 8, uh, we're going to start with verse 24 there. Uh, You you would think that after the disciples have been with Christ for a while, they're going, hey, he does this every day. (laughs) And that maybe the amazement would go. I mean, you know, I would be amazed. We were talking about some um, famous football players today, uh, back there today, and and we're always amazed by, oh, man, so you got to shake the hands with so-and-so, fill in the blank, your favorite football star, movie star, whoever it might be. And you would be kind of amazed because here's this very famous person and you actually touched them. you know. But what if you hung out with them all the time? They were your best friend. I mean, you really knew them. I mean, I've shared this with you before. When I was student minister down in Bainbridge, Georgia, who was one of my kids in my youth group? Kirby Smart. And I didn't go, oh, that's Kirby Smart. Most of the time I said, Kirby, stop. I mean, most of the time that we had to do anything, it was correcting Kirby because... I mean, he was a good guy, but, uh, you know, he's one of those, now he's, you know, UGA football coach. Wouldn't know me from Adam probably if I went up to him today. (laughs) Here they're hanging out with Jesus every single day. You would think that maybe at some point they're going, man, we're not really amazed anymore because we've just come to expect that he does these incredible things. Look what happens. They're traveling across the Sea of Galilee. It says, without warning, verse 24, without warning, a furious storm came along on the lake. So that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Verse 27, the men were amazed. They they hang out. They hung with him every single day. They walked with him every single day. They've seen all kinds of miracles. And yet, when you're with Christ, the amazement goes on, guys. It goes on. And look at the question that they ask. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Some of you have been Christians 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. You walk with Christ a long time. And I pray that there are still those days that you're amazed by God. That we never tire of being amazed at his grace, at his love, at his forgiveness, the way that he restores and breaks broken hearts and puts them back together, the way that he can take a broken marriage and put it back together, broken lives and put it back together. I pray that you and I would never progress so far in our Christian walk that we are dulled in the senses, in our spirit, to not be amazed at Christ anymore. Luke chapter 5. Four friends had heard about Jesus, this healing power. They, they decided to take their friend because he's a paralytic. He can't walk, and so they carry him on a stretcher. Remember this story? Many of you that grew up in church? When they got to the church, because Jesus was speaking and he was becoming pretty famous, there were so many people there that they couldn't even get in the door. It would be like our church being so filled that they came in out there, and when they kind of got into the lobby area, they are going, I can't even get in there. There were so many people there. Yeah, I would hope that that would happen. <laughs> you know, they can't even get in there. And so they go to the top, and here Jesus is in the middle of teaching and preaching. About this time, dust starts to go and straw starts to fall, and, and all of a sudden they lower their friend at the feet of Jesus. Look what it says, Luke 5, 24. Jesus says, But that you may know that the Son of Man, because he forgives this guy of his sins, it isn't just healing, but that he said, so that you can know that I can forgive sins. Because you know, who are you to forgive sins? That's what all the skeptics said. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you the truth, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. Now that makes sense that you'd be praising God if you've been paralytic and now you can walk out of the place. Next verse, verse 26. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. Question this morning. When was the last time you were filled with awe? I hope that it's a regular part of our Christian life. I really think that it's supposed to, supposed to be a regular part of our Christian life. I don't think it's just kind of like a couple moments, and of all the time that we've spent here traveling with God and, and, and following Christ, that we're going to go, you know, there's about two moments that you really impressed me, God. I found myself in awe. I was speechless. I would pray that more and more, whether we're the people that are very, very kind of emotional or the people that are very steady-eddy, kind of non-emotional type people, that if we follow close with Christ and we just kind of are living with Christ, that we would find ourselves in awe all the time. I'm not talking about like living on some kind of a spiritual mountain, but that we, that we would never stop being surprised. And Let me go back to that phrase, that we just would know, that we know, that we know that he's who he says he is, even when our situation in life, and the whisper even of Satan would say, you're not a daughter of the living king. And that God would just impress upon you, no, I am a child of the living God. And I know that I know that I know, both in my mind and in my heart, but in my very spirit, that's how amazing God is. If you are tracking after morality, I don't think you're going to be amazed at God. If anything, you're going to say, God, why did you make this rule? If you follow after Christ in relationship, now again, as I've said many times, I'm not saying that we don't follow the rules. Be ye holy as I'm holy. That's our command for the Christian. We are to live holy lives. But I'm saying if you're just going after a morality, kind of a sense of morality, you're not going to have times of awe and amazement. You follow Christ, the person, not the process? Don't be surprised. When you're sitting at your desk at 5 o'clock in the morning doing some notes, that God, in His grace and His mercy, Springs brings you to the point of worship and tears. And you're going, you are such a great God. This is the God that we have, guys. This is the God that we can know through Jesus Christ. And everywhere Christ went, they were amazed. Even those that would rebel against him. Last story, then we'll close. Mark chapter 15. They arrest Christ. They bring Christ before three, really there's five if you want to count them, all the, the fake trials that he had. But one of those is before a man by named by, uh, of Pilate. And he comes before Pilate and Pilate kind of in his heart really can't find fault in Jesus and he wants to let him go. At the same time, he knows that it's not politically a very good move. Because the Jewish people are really kind of revolting. And one of the things as a Roman governor that was your responsibility is keep the people, the residents quiet. You were seen as a successful Roman governor over the Jewish people if you kind of just let them play pretty with one another. And there wasn't revolts and rebellions. Pilate knows when they arrest Jesus and they said, you know, we think that he has done this, this, and this. He needs to be crucified. He puts him on trial. And even though he's asking Christ all these questions, he can't really find any one sin, not even one sin. Look what happens. Mark chapter 15, verse 3. The chief priests accused him of many things. That is, accused Jesus of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? He turns to Jesus. He said, in another uh, gospel, not in this one, but same story. He said, don't you know that I have the power of life and death here? If I go like this, you live, Jesus. If I go like this, you you die. Don't you know that I have the authority here? And Jesus is silent. Verse 5. But Jesus still made no reply. And what does it say? And Pilate was amazed. Is Pilate a believer? No. Is he sympathetic to the cause? No. Here's my premise, guys. You can't be around Jesus, authentically be around Jesus and not be amazed. You just can't. The worst unbelievers, if you want to say the people that, you know, the history is full of men and women who actually wanted to disprove the whole Christianity thing. People like Josh McDowell and others, they said, it's going to be my life's aim to disprove this. And when they got closer and closer and closer to Jesus, not just the process, not just the religion, but to the person of Christ, they became believers. And they have been preaching and and, and telling of Christ ever since. Person after person after person that have now dedicated their lives to Christ. Why? Because they knew that they knew that they knew that once they came, they were amazed. That they could not not only disprove this, but they just knew in their very soul, in their spirit. My question to you this morning, as we have followed these seven lives, as we have kind of looked at lives that are changed, question number one, are you following a process or a person? Now let's be real honest, okay? Is it easy in Christianity to follow the process rather than the person? If we're just being honest with ourselves. I go to church, I pray, I study the Bible, I have my quiet time. Even when I don't want to have, you know. know. Is it easy to follow a process instead of a person at times? It really can. And it's not that we're trying to be evil. I mean, if anything, we're really trying to get something out of it. I don't know that anybody just opens up their Bible, have a quiet time and says, you know, Uh, you want to get something out of it, but sometimes we just follow a process instead of a person. Second question. As you travel with Jesus, as you draw near to him, can, can you say, man, he's amazing. Here's the amazing things that he's done. Now, I'm not saying that your level of amazement is equal to your level of how good of a Christian you are. But I probably would go as this far, guys, and then we'll close. I'll, I'll go this far. Biblical record. You follow the person, you track after the person, you really open your mind, your heart, your mind, uh, you know, your life to, to Christ, you will be, you'll find yourself amazed. Amazed at his grace and his mercy, his goodness, His faithfulness in this world that shakes back and forth with every wind of doctrine, everything going left and right, emotions in our own body going, I feel really good. Oh, I'm kind of mad. You know, all over the place, moodiness. There is this amazement that comes with just following the consistency of Christ and knowing his truth and being able to say at the end of the day when you put your head on the pillow, you know, today was a challenging day. Today I had some good times and I had some bad times but here's what I know that I know that I know this amazing God who created this amazing world and gave his amazing son to die on a cross for me and save me by his amazing grace I know few things tonight as I put my head on the pillow and all this frustration but this I know he's who he says he is and that truth can, can just anchor my very soul. This morning we're going to sing as a song of reflection. Um, we're just going old school today. And so guys, y'all come up and, and lead us. And, and remember that song, I Stand Amazed in the Presence of Jesus the Nazarene? Written in 1905. And the guy that wrote it wrote a, a lot of different things. Uh, he was, uh, worked mainly with the Methodist Church. He just wrote this, just the the, you know, the the, hey, here's the truth. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. And we'll sing that together this morning. And I pray that it really can be just this heartbeat, and that it's been a while since you've been amazed. I mean, if you in honest reflection, you're going, Okay, it's been a while since I can honestly say that I was just really amazed with Christ. Then my prayer for you, for me, for all of us, is that we just draw to the person. And make sure that we're not just following a process. Let's stand together as we sing this song of worship. Really a song of proclamation this morning. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online